Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. Welcome to The Great America Show. Thanks for being with us. You've probably noticed there's something a little off about the special counsel, Jack Smith. Personally, I think Jack Smith has a bit of a deranged look to him. Have you noticed? And newly unsealed court documents show that the Marxist special counsel can act pretty strange as well. It turns out Jack Smith got a search warrant to take a look at Trump's Twitter account back in January. The newly released document shows that the junkyard dog obtained a search warrant for the president's Twitter page on January 17 of this year a public Twitter page for all of the world to see. Now, why would the junkyard dog need a search warrant for a public page? Politico reporting that Smith subpoenaed the Twitter account to obtain data that might have revealed patterns about Trump's use of the account, whether others had access to it, and whether there were any draft statements that were unsent. Why any of that makes a lick of sense is beyond me. It took Twitter, by the way, three days to comply with the Justice Department subpoena. And because of that delay, the DOJ sanctioned Twitter and fined them $350,000 for daring to take their time and actually ask if all of this was legal. Talk about deranged, this special counsel certainly is. Twitter took issue with that subpoena from Smith's team because the warrant was issued with a, quote, non-disclosure order that prohibited Twitter from notifying Donald Trump about the warrant. Twitter argued the order issued violated the First Amendment and that the judge should have blocked the warrant until the objection was resolved. There was one problem with that. The case was in front of a judge, a decorated swamp creature, District Court Judge Beryl Howell the same judge in the heart of the Mar-a-Lago documents case that was ultimately brought to court down in Florida. If the names of these Marxist judges seem familiar, that's because they should. They're the same folks, and they're just in different roles, and they change roles, they interchange, they exchange, and they're all denizens of the deep Democrat state in D.C., President Trump posted the following message to his Truth Social account when he discovered his account had been subpoenaed. Quote, Just found out that crooked Joe Biden's DOJ secretly attacked my Twitter account, making it a point not to let me know about this major hit on my civil rights. My political opponent is going crazy, trying to infringe on my campaign for president. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Does the First Amendment still exist? Did the deranged Jack Smith tell the unselects to destroy and delete all the evidence? These are dark days in America, end quote. Indeed, Mr. President, we're truly living in a banana republic with our country on the precipice of destruction from the Marxist Dems and the deep state. 
House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer releasing his latest tranche of Biden bank records. Those records reveal the Biden crime family received an additional $20 million in foreign money from Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, including a $142,000 wire from a Kazakh oligarch to Hunter Biden. He used the money to buy himself, what else? A brand new Porsche, right after a D.C. dinner. President Trump warned us of all this. He knew in 2020 how corrupt the Biden family really was. He even went as far as to call out Joe Biden on the debate stage. And Joe Biden, well, he did what he does. He lied again. Joe answered. Joe got three and a half million dollars from Russia. And it came through Putin because he was very friendly with the former mayor of Moscow. And it was the mayor of Moscow's wife. And you got three and a half million dollars. Your family got three and a half million dollars. And, you know, someday you're going to have to explain why did you get three and a half? I never got any money from Russia. I don't get money from Russia. I have not taken a penny from any foreign source ever in my life. I have not taken a single penny from any country whatsoever, ever. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. I have not had, the only guy made money from China is this guy. What a debate and what a distortion of history it became. President Trump even gave Joe Biden the benefit of the doubt. His family actually made a little bit more than three and a half million. Joining us now here on the Great America Show is the great Steve Bannon. Steve, great to have you back with us. Let's start with the condition of the condition our country is in here. The courts are absolutely rife with corruption that's infiltrated all of our federal government. The Dems, the deep state, the Biden regime, the Obama-Biden regime, they control our federal government, don't they? Well, Lou, I, you know, it's tough to shock me, but I am actually shocked about this kind of coordinated lawfare attack not just shredding the Constitution, but it's obviously coordinated. You're going to have a state indictment here, I think, next week, you know, of another 20 counts. You've got two federal government uh, indictments. You've got a city, uh, all with these uh, radical uh, Democrats. I mean, it's obvious lawfare. They know they can't beat him. I think the good news for people is to understand they know our movement is ascendant, and they know that Trump cannot be defeated at the ballot box. They stole it in 2020, but I think they realize now we're on to them. It's going to be impossible for them to do it again, particularly with Biden. I mean, they'll trade him out for somebody. Um, but unable to steal it, they got to stop him. And they think by stopping him is, is uh, putting him in prison. It's it's not going to work. It's all a joke. And uh, But we got to power through it. I mean, they're they're doing this for to for opportunity costs, to make sure that they dream of resources, to make sure that they divert his attention and the team around him, to make sure that it's – you know, tough for him to travel or, you know, in court, and they're going to be in court by what Thursday or Friday on trying to suppress his free speech to even discuss these matters to the American people. So it's pretty obvious. I think it's going to help us tremendously. I think the polling is already pretty strong. I think it's going to help us tremendously with uh, the minority community. I, all, I, I keep telling people, let's just put a picture of uh, Jack Smith's face up uh, to the minority community. That's every, that's every uh, scumbag uh, you know, uh, a member of, uh, you know, law enforcement that's tried to crush them. Um, and uh, let's just run on that. So I think let's roll. Let's just do it. Uh, we've got these guys. They're desperate. They're coming after Trump with a uh, with a, uh, a scud weapon like uh, like uh, Jack Smith. That's been obviously weaponized, as Mike Davis is directly from the White House. 
So it's a game on. I think the only way we're going to beat this is that politically, we've got the political will and focus. Let's beat it at the ballot box across the board everywhere. And uh, let's just get on with it. Let's take a look at the metrics uh, in terms of both uh, initiative uh, and progress uh, and effectiveness. And let's start with the House of Representatives, where the best things in this country right now are happening. That is with the Ways and Means Committee, the Judiciary Committee, the Oversight Committee, the Subcommittee on Weaponization of the Federal Government. The 118th Congress is living up to its its early promises in its first 24 hours of existence. Uh, I have to give them a lot of credit. But then there is the bargaining chip. Uh, the bargaining uh, subject uh, of all of those first hours of the 118th Congress, namely the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. He is wilting after months of promise. He is wilting before our very eyes, whether it be on uh, the simple fiscal discipline that's required and the honesty and the integrity of negotiations with the, the executive branch of the president, uh, he cannot even muster the will and, and the fire, uh, the verb and imagination to actually consider impeaching what is ob- obvious to all 300 million plus Americans that Joe Biden is a corrupt president who is cor- who has taken corrupt actions as president uh, and has created uh, a cesspool, an absolute cesspool of unscrupulous on principled, uh, permanent bureaucrats uh, that are going to linger long after he's gone. Your thoughts? Uh, ditto. I mean, it's we should have an impeachment inquiry. First of all, they shouldn't have left for August. Uh, they at least should have kept back uh, the, uh, the oversight and judiciary. I think there's more than enough overwhelming evidence of an impeachment inquiry. The lead story in Politico earlier this morning was that there's not even there. He's lost momentum on impeaching Mayorkas, which is the lowest hanging fruit. You can't bring an impeachment inquiry in Mayorkas. You're not doing your job. Look, he has no interest in uh, in following through on President Trump's agenda. You saw that in the in the deal he made with Biden that basically has crushed the country economically and financially. He gave given the radical Democrats everything. He really has no interest in any of these investigations. Everything he's doing is just performative, and that's why I think you don't see him out there in public seconding what Comer's doing, seconding what Jordan's doing, driving him forward, putting his, as you call, verb and energy in back of it. Um, and uh, and not just that, I think he's doing a terrible job. He's essentially crickets on this uh, a frontal assault on President Trump. I mean, he should be out there saying, Absolutely. If Biden wants to shut down his government uh, about the funding, Jack Smith's persecution of President Trump, so be it. He's going to have to do it at midnight on uh, on September 30th and October 1st, because there will never be an appropriations bill going forward. Why I'm Speaker of the House that has a penny for DOJ to continue to persecute uh, the president, people around him. So I think on if you look at all three, you know, financially, the fiscal thing's been a disaster. Everything they're talking about is totally performative right now. Remember, when we talk about all these cuts and the appropriations bill, you know, may, may, they may shut it down, may not shut it down. You may have to have a CR. We're talking about $100 billion in cuts. $100 billion in cuts is really what they're talking about. That's, that's less money than we shoveled into the charnel house of Ukraine. So everything he's doing is performative, and it's to the point. I think as soon as President Trump 
feels comfortable that there's someone as an alternative that there'll be a motion to vacate on on uh, McCarthy and uh, and we'll move on and get some action here in this Congress because I think you get individual members that are doing things, you got some committees that are doing things, but overall the leadership has been uh, has been less than pathetic. It's actually operated. I mean, Hakeem Jeffries, look, 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 they're they're openly talking about on the appropriations bill, which was supposed to be where all the cuts are going to come from. You know, we, he could approve this budget deal. We didn't have to worry the cuts were coming in appropriations. We said that at the time was a total lie. Right now, I'm pretty well sourced up there. The same McCarthy is understands he may not have 30, 40, 50 votes. He's going to cut a deal with the Democrats, just like he did on the spending bill. So Hakeem Jeffries, essentially a Speaker of the House, McCarthy is just a whip for him. And I think that's where we are. But I do think that we're not going to have a move on here until President Trump signals that he's comfortable that there's someone there that can repl- to replace McCarthy. Yet it is President Trump who wanted uh, the bargaining to end and uh, Speaker McCarthy to step forward as the as the choice of uh, of the brave 20, the Freedom Caucus, the conservatives who were making who made such a difference in the 118th Congress with their strong stand. I'm I'm worried now, frankly, uh, as much about what is practical and what is understandably practical to the Republican Party. They are without question divided in ways that uh, they have always been, but with something new added, and that is an intransigent set of rhinos who are uh, who really seem to be uh, pretty sure they're smarter than everybody else in the House. Uh, and I'm talking about the 20 who voted against censure of Adam Schiff the most venal liar in the history of, of the House of Representatives. And when that can't happen, what does that proffer for any action against Biden and the rest of the regime? Well, I think, you know, those should look because those 20 are essentially the ones named the DCCC, which is the congressional uh, campaign arm of the House of Representatives for the for the Democrats. Uh, Raheem Kassam's group over at uh, over at National Pulse did a fantastic job. A guy named Will Upton, who worked for Monica Crowley over at Treasury, uh, he's now with the staff. And he found this memo. It was kind of hidden on the internet. Uh, he found this memo that basically the DCCC's uh, strategy plan for 2022. And this is where they're getting all the donors, all the money. They're not talking about being progressive. They're not talking about having Ilan Omar or AOC or their they're not preaching that gospel. What they're talking about is basically MAGA, America first policy, kitchen table issues, manufacturing. I mean, it's literally the Trump playbook. And history they're targeting, those same 20 moderates that keep, you know, in New York and all these moderates are sitting there going, oh, no, 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 we need to be more moderate. We need to be more moderate. What we need to do is accommodate, be more moderate and support all these policies of, of Biden. And, you know, we can't, we can't have MAGA policies. Well, DCCC is running against specifically the guys in New York and these other, you know, General Bacon out in Nebraska. All these guys are the, the most moderate are being targeted. And what are they being targeted with? They're being targeted with they're telling they're, they're wanting to get candidates to run on essentially a MAGA platform that uh, we're working class Democrats. We support the working men and women. That that's what we're about. You know, kitchen table issues. So the moderates, once again, have missed the plot. 
It's not to be more moderate. It's to be more MAGA. If you're more MAGA, good things are going to happen because people right now have had a belly full of this. And, and you can see this in any industry you want, any uh, any set of numbers you want about the lived experience of the American people in the economy. Not what you're hearing pitched to you on CNBC. Not what's being pitched on MSNBC. Not what the Biden White House. So the Biden White House can't believe that you know the six trillion dollars they spent off the books with all these you know measures they put in there. They're they're, they're all concerned that nobody's giving them credit for Bidenomics. He's not getting credit that he's still you know polling in the high thirties, low forties on uh, ability to handle the economy. Well, that's because the lived experience of the American people is horrible right now. Right. People are beyond struggling. They're drowning. We had a, a tape of someone on TikTok the other day, some mother talking about her children in the 20s. So the lived experience of the American working class is not great. And it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse because interest rates are going to go up. And why are interest rates going to go up? Well, Fitz just put the government as downgraded government securities. And then the Biden said, oh, this is terrible. This is all about MAGA holding up the debt ceiling. Well, it was far from it. It's because our debt ceiling deal was not approved. And then Moody's on top of it just came out and downgraded 10 regional banks. Guess what? Because of Biden bonds, they've turned into Biden banks, right? They've got capital problems and they're sitting on a ton of bad commercial real estate loans. They also put another, what, half a dozen money center banks on the watch list. So this is, you're going to have massive credit contraction, a contraction in the economy, and particularly from people, you know, these uh, employment things that come out the top line numbers are very misleading. With the numbers to look at are people getting second jobs now. They're getting second jobs just to keep their, their nose above water. And why is that? Most of them have been living on credit card. They've been living on the government, the infusion of cash that went away with COVID. And then it was credit cards. Well, the APR, the average APR, I think, is almost 25% right now, 24 25%. And we know that they just had a huge article, I think, on Bloomberg about credit contraction for credit cards. If you're now... You know, they're pulling back the credit cards for these young people. They used to have four or five credit cards. Now they got one. So all this is, is doubling down into the American economy for working class and middle class people. And their lives suck right now. So and, and all Biden's talking about is another is, is more government spending. You know, what McCarthy's giving one last note on that. One of the reasons we've had in the first nine months of the year, one point four trillion dollar. Deficit, as I warn people, you're going to have a $2 trillion deficit on this deal. People said, oh, no, no, that's banning his hair on fire. In the first nine months of the fiscal year, we had a $1.4 trillion deficit. We're going to have a $2 trillion deficit this year. Why? It's not just the spending's out of control. I believe I just did a calculation with some Wall Street guys. I think the tax revenues are down 21%. I think the tax revenues, Lou, if I'm my calculation right, between 15 to 21% tax revenues are down. Why are tax revenues down? Because the economy is slowing. Less capital gains tax money is coming in, less uh, taxes from other areas coming in. The economy is slowing down. The real economy, the lived economy, not the, not the financial generated GDP. So uh, it is uh, people's lived experience is bad and it's going to get a lot worse. We're talking with the great Steve Bannon, Bannon's War Room. you got to see it. Uh, it's a great, great broadcast or should I say podcasts? I think both work. We're coming right back. Stay with us, and we're going to take up what is either party doing right now for the working man and woman in this country, their families, and the prospect of the middle class. We continue in one moment. (laughs) 
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with Steve Bannon, and we were talking about, Steve was talking about the, the, real, the real America, the real economy, and what's happening to real people. And by that, I mean working men and women, their families, the middle class. And, and Steve, the thought is, is there, I suppose, in the, in, in the hearts and minds of some of the Republican conference, but I don't see any practical, pragmatic step to, to reaffirm the American middle class, the, the working man and woman in this country and their family on the part of the Republican Party. And that was well underway under the Trump administration. He had turned to the forgotten, those forgotten Americans. And we're not we're not seeing it. And, and the Democrats have decided they're going to put together a constituency of the weirdest, oddest, uh, most perverse and dissolute uh, elements of our society and call it a party. Your thoughts? I don't think I could agree with you more, Lou. I think that most of what McCarthy has done, and obviously McConnell, has been very performative. Just to go along with with uh, with uh, playing along with Biden, and uh, and hope that lightning strikes uh, because they're really not putting through a a, a coherent uh, government opposition of what should be done. The only only place you're seeing that is President Trump on the on the campaign trail. Quite frankly. What I call the Keebler elves, the 12 people running against him, you know, in the presidential primary, you're not seeing a lot of, you know, I, I'm not getting blown away by the ideas coming out of there. That's more of the, just the happy talk, Republican, you know, stock and trade talking points. And I think it's one of the reasons that you're seeing no one get traction there. And the person had traction as people get to know him more, Ron DeSantis is starting to implode. But no, I don't think you see a, a comprehensive alternative. Uh, presented by the Republicans, and they think that they can do this and just get along because of Biden's increasing unpopularity. I don't think that works. I think you have to give people a true alternative and something you're prepared to to fight for. I just think the donors that really control the Republican Party don't want, you know, bold ideas put forward. And so you're not getting them. You're hearing them from President Trump. I keep telling people, if anybody would pay attention to his speeches that are actually policy speeches, He's putting forward a pretty well thought through, well organized plan, and you, of course, you know that we're training up people at, at, at uh, with Russ Votes Group and with Heritage. They're getting organized to hit the beach day one, three or four thousand 
people that would be part of, that would be the administration would, would take over right away. President Trump has given five and a half hours of primetime speeches in the last month at the uh, he gave it at the uh, the, the freedom, uh, uh, you know, the, the Ralph Reed Freedom Conference for the evangelicals in D.C. He went to uh, Philadelphia for the Moms for Liberty, gave a two and a half the parental right. That's that whole parental rights movement. Um, and then he went out to uh, to uh, Iowa and gave a very detailed one on 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 economics. And he gave went to Turning Point also and gave another one on economics. So four or five speeches, not one not one minute picked up by Fox, uh, and really not talked about by the you know the kind of mainstream but conservative media. Uh, and he's putting out really media ideas, and that's to me the alternative program we've got to really take his first term. And, and turbocharge it. And I think that's what he intends to do. And I think it's all out there, what he's putting out. It's, it's very exciting. It, it is exciting. And it is, uh, I think, interesting, in, in at least in theory. What I worry about is right now is what I worried about during his first presidency. And that is his lack of support and organization uh, and committed uh if you will, numbers behind each of his ideas. Uh, and by that, I mean, there is no one in academia uh, that he can reach to because nearly every economist is under contract to a Marxist dim uh, HR department or CEO that is trying to make a splash with the cocktail circuit. Uh, we, we're looking at compromise, compromised characters in all aspects, it seems, of our society. Uh, the knowledge economy has turned into a knowledge nightmare. Uh, they have they have little knowledge uh, and they have great pretense uh, to owning the country's future. The only problem is the Marxist stems actually do have control of all the levers of power in this country right now. I name one, Steve, if you will major lever of power that the Democrats, the Marxist Dems, don't possess. It's remarkable. This is a fifth column that succeeded as of right now. Well, they've done Her Herbert Marcuse in the Frankfurt School. You know, they did the long march through the institutions, and they did it well. I mean, you got to give the devil his due. That's what we got to take back. You're 100% correct. But I have a solution for your first part, Lou. All right. How about Lou Dobbs? How about Lou Dobbs as I got three options, Secretary of Treasury, uh, head of the National Economic Council inside the White House, or chief of staff? <laughs> First of all, Trump would do all three of them in a second. He would do all three in a second. So, Lou, I'll put you on the spot here on your own show. No, seriously. If I had you give me a couple of guys like Lou Dobbs in the West. Who, who else would I let do this to me right now? Uh, okay, well, you know what? Now, I'm going to hold you to this. Right. Trump's a war horse. It, Trump's an old war horse. He admits that. You're an old war horse. What a better, you know, if we had if we had you in the Listen, my, here's my point. We, and I keep telling people this, it's not just the primary, and we got to chop our way through the woods here. It's not just the general, which is going to be tougher than 16, because they see us coming. Mm -hmm. It is once we have victory every day starting the 20th of January 2025 is going to be Stalingrad in the government because Donald Trump is bound and determined to take apart the administrative and deep state and at the same time to confront China and some of our enemies internationally and rebuild this economy. I mean, the workload, and remember, Lou, at that time on that afternoon, 
I think, and I think you'd back me up, we're going to have about 37 to $38 trillion of face amount of debt on the balance sheet of the government. We're going to have another $9.5 or $10 trillion at the Federal Reserve. And the, and the tax cuts of Trump, you know, the $4 trillion of tax cuts are coming back up immediately. Now, they generate more revenue than they cost, but there is a gap there. So President Trump's going to be in a bind. And I keep telling people, if you want to take your country back and change the direction of this republic back to what it was when it was bequeathed to us, uh, we got some work to do. But what we're going to need is a couple of Lou Dobbs types that can help the president translate the ideas into actionable policies and the ability to take on the deep state. Because the deep state just going to sit there and go, what a lovely idea. Uh, you know, Charlie Kirk, Steve Bannon, Jack Posobiec, Lou Dobbs. You know, a bunch of these guys with Trump, you know, won this election. We're just going to toss them the keys. That's not going to happen. Yeah. It is going to be 10 times worse than it was when we won in 2016. And that's what I think people got. Now, here's the good news. I think that there is a vast majority of Americans. I happen to think 60 to 67 percent, uh, 60 percent to two thirds of the country that have had a belly full of this of these Marxist Democrats and this illegitimate regime and are prepared to have President Trump's back whatever it takes to get this country back on track. I'm just telling people it's going to be, it's going to be very, it's going to be very tough. It's doable, but tough. And I think the thing that's going to be Damocles the sword that's going to hang over us is this economy. I just, I, I am, I am, when I see a story coming out of New York one yesterday, uh, Lou, and you're quite familiar with Manhattan that said that 50% of the office buildings in New York are now worth less in the face amount of the debt on them, you know that pretty quickly uh, these landlords, given what's happened in the commercial office space and the downgrade that Moody's just did, they're going to be tossing the keys back to a lot of banks. Uh, we're going to be we're over levered like China's over levered, and we're going to have hell to pay for this. So I think people just got to strap in. And I think people have to understand that this is also a part of it, certainly, is a natural cycle. Uh, Manhattan is a cesspool. Uh, it is a cesspool because they denied the importance of leadership and character and vision and settled for celebrity uh, airbrains uh, to be their mayors. It's just it's it's madness what has happened to New York. And, and sometimes the process is the result. Are you implying with that celebrity hit that Eric Adams is not made of the same stuff of Rudy Giuliani back in the 90s? Are you are you implying that, Lou Dobbs? Steve, you know me well enough to know better than to think that I would be nuanced in any in any way. We're talking with Steve Bannon. We're going to take another quick break. Please stay with us. This is too good to miss. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back with the War Room, Steve Bannon. Steve, it's it's great to talk to you. It's a highly enjoyable conversation because I know one thing, you and I always think and uh, consider for only one purpose, and that is to take action, to actually lay forward a uh, a path uh, to the country's future. Uh, we've lost perhaps its destiny for a while, but we are regaining much of its future. I believe we have that opportunity in 2024. How, how do we get Donald Trump not only into the White House, but how do we get enough people organized around him his vision, his thoughts, his philosophy. And I, by the way, I've got to say one thing in the midst of this. Vivek Ramasamy, who I think is a smart young fella, uh, doing and, and, and really provocative in, in much of what he's saying, trying to take America first away from Donald Trump. Did you hear that? I mean, it was implausible to me. And, no, no, I, have, I, haven't, and, I haven't heard this. What, what it, I'm oh, he not, said I'm that. Not a, I know Vivek is a good guy, but I'm not a fan. I'm not a, definitely well, not a fan. What well, I am no longer. I, I, I was never a fan, but I at least wanted to listen to him. But he decided that America first didn't belong to one man, as he put it. That one man could only be the one man who uh, adopted the slogan. Uh, and that is Donald Trump, of course. Um, and that's the kind of uh, superciliousness, uh, speciousness, and, and just unnecessary nonsense uh, that kills a candidacy. And uh, he killed his candidacy for me. He might He's a smart guy. And if he's half as effective as he seems he might be, there might be a place for him in an administration, but my gosh. Yeah. And the next thing no, we've got. This shows you that, look, the, 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 the Trump, the, the only way that we're going to save this country right now is with Donald Trump. And I say this to people out there that if you mention his name or hear the sound of his voice, you, you, you wince. If you look at the facts as they stand today, um, this country is on the precipice, financially, geopolitically, uh, with this leviathan of the administrative state that's really taken over uh, what the founders and framers have set up as a limited government for this country. And Trump is the only one that understands it, has taken it on, and they fear. Uh, all these other, what I call the Keebler elves, and Vivek's done a good job of pushing forward some of the America first and some of the MAGA policies, Right. But that's a long way, given just some light conversation about it, it's a long way from actually having a strap in and get it done. So Donald Trump is a, uh, and I think he's been, I think the divine providence is working through him. And I say that as someone that had a close-up view of 2016 and 2017. So I think that we've got our instrument. The purpose we have to have now is not to continue playing to what the mainstream media wants is a horse race. George Will said today, the mainstream media wants a horse race and they're going to anoint somebody that's not Trump or not DeSantis and get him back home. And, and, and what George Will doesn't understand because he doesn't understand modern communications and so out of touch. He still thinks Fox and some of these things are important. As long as war room's there, there's no chance anybody can get momentum. It's just not. We just won't allow it. And we won't allow it for one simple reason. We, the country is in a crisis and we don't have time for happy talk, we don't have time 
uh, to play the big media's game. We only have time to save our country. And that's what so disturbs me about this quote-unquote primary. They're going to spend $500 million and divert a ton of Trump's time and resources to dealing with it when we don't have time to deal with it. The Democrats understand this. Until they make a decision to change out uh, Biden, and I think they'll do that before the end of the year, there's no primary. I mean, they're not, there's no primary. There's no debate. You know, he's not having to worry about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or Windsor or anybody. There's no, there's no, they literally said there is no primary. You're not going to be on a ballot. You're not, there's not going to be, there's no Super Tuesday. They're not going to do Iowa. There's not happening. Now, eventually when he decides or they move him out, that'll be different of how they have some sort of truncated affair between Michelle Obama and Newsom and Whitmer and let's throw Phil Murphy in there and Pritzker and a couple of three others, right? But um, they know how to run. They know how to run something, and they know because it's all focused on the general election. And right now, you have these evil billionaires that are putting in literally hundreds of millions of dollars to build a, an election infrastructure uh, that is going to be very tough to overcome. And that should be our maniacal focus right now. It should be victory, and then what happens the day after victory. Uh, and that can all be organized, and it is somewhat being organized today. But we're allowing the uh, the donors and the established media of the rhinos to really try to divert our attention on something that doesn't exist, and that is this primary for um, you know for uh, for the uh, for the Republican nomination. President Trump's going to the Iowa State Fair this this week, and I think that's fantastic. Spend time in Iowa; they're great people. But Trump's going to win Iowa by seven or eight points. Uh, where Trump needs to be spending time is, you know, in Georgia, in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania, in Michigan. Now, every, you know, Arizona, time and time again, as we speak right now, Lou, in the late afternoon on, on Tuesday, the 8th of August, where is Joe Biden? Joe Biden happens to be in Arizona. He's spending the entire day here and he's dropping goodies all over the place, all kind of new money he's, you know, taking from the taxpayers and plowing into this state. He's up at the Grand Canyon taking a, a million uh, a million acres, I think, and put into a new national monument there, but taken away from the from the uh, mining industry for uranium. So we're more dependent than ever on uh, on the Russians for our nuclear power, uh, for our submarines and for our nuclear power plants. But Biden's people are putting him in strategic locations of where he needs to make sure that they can steal it again in 2024. 20, uh, so right now, to me, one of the big focuses is to shut down this primary and not have, particularly with President Trump being somewhat diverted by this lawfare, and the resources it's sucking up and the time it's sucking up is a massive opportunity cost. Merrick Garland knows that, Jack Smith knows that, and Joe Biden above all knows that. And so that's why we gotta get enormously focused right now on victory. When you say we have to get focused, it means Donald Trump has to get focused because from him, all will spring. And right now, he doesn't have the taste for it. He doesn't like it. He has to get serious about the organization, organizing principles that have to be uh, put into action right now and staffed. Uh, at the senior level, staffed uh, throughout the country uh, in every locality uh, and precinct, as far as I'm concerned, in the country. And I'm not talking about just poll watchers and uh, working through the elections. I'm talking about uh, persistent, stable and sustainable organization at the local level for America first, for make America great. And it's got to happen, but it's got to happen before that election. Uh, 
And there is no sign whatsoever to me. I cannot, it's not visible to me if it's happening at all. And the one thing that we do know about what you're saying, Steve, is the Democrat is uh, Democratic uh, choices for 2024 are, are purely theatrical because we know that Obama and the, the senior cabal of the Marxist Dems uh, who drive the Democratic Party and this regime will simply, you know, they're interchangeable. Uh, the characters they put up as figureheads. Look at, I mean, does anyone in the world think that Joe Biden is actually running uh, the thought processes and decisions that make up his administration? I, I don't think so. Do you? <laughs> it certainly, it certainly doesn't. It certainly doesn't look like it. No, it does not look like it. it does not come across like that on every aspect, whether it's Ukraine, the, the economy, it's, it's, he, he, I think barely knows where he is at any day. So the people behind him making these decisions, uh, and of course these people are very anti-American and you can tell that from the decisions they're making. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, you know, Steve, I've enjoyed tremendously as always our conversation. And I hope you'll come back soon. Uh, it's a, it's a tough time, but I think people have to look clear-eyed and straightforwardly uh, at what we have to do. Uh, it and it can't be done without vast organization that is the you know is one of the many expertises uh, that doesn't exist within Republican leadership. Ronna McDaniel, why is she still there? She's still there. More importantly than her, or as importantly, she's still being there. She's still being. She's still there with seven million dollars net cash on hand, and the Democrats have hundreds. I mean, it's just it's a disaster. The grassroots have kind of cut her off from giving money. Um, big donors essentially are, are not there. It's very disorganized. I think there are five or six state parties that are bankrupt. And what most upsets me, and, and President Trump, let's face it, he kind of backed her. Um, oh, he did. She's the. Did. It's, it's, I, I want to say it politely. Um, he backed her, and his reward for her backing is that she's the one driving this debate. She's driving these series of debates. And my good friend Dave Bossy, I know he's a good friend of yours. Dave Bossy's like a brother to me. You know, he's the debate guy, and I just don't get it. I, I mean, I, I don't get you know, President Trump. Look, Biden. Is Dave People still taking your calls? Is Dave taking your calls? Well, he's, he, 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 I'm not giving him the option of taking them because I'm not making them. Okay? I'm not, I, I, I am quite angry at this yes. because it, this is a diversion. This gets the media all worked up. The, here's what the media, George Will says something very important today, that the media wants a horse race because they don't like dealing with policy. It's too complicated for them. These people are not particularly bright. They want a simple horse race and they will try to gin up uh, somebody after the fall of DeSantis, somebody to, to compete against Trump. Well, the way they can do that is to put on a series of debates. And it's not, they're not going to win. All it's going to do is suck up about a billion, 500 million to a billion dollars of cash from people that should be going to these organizations, outside groups that can help us win in 2024. This is a diversion. We don't, and the keyboard elves, there, there's no traction. All the polls show Trump at 59, Trump at 61, Trump at 55. These are, it's not competitive. He's the presumptive nominee. It's time just to get on with it. And Iran has been a disaster everywhere. Her one thing she's hanging on is running these debates. And under no circumstances can President Trump, can President Trump get into these debates. So it's just, just absolutely not.
Absolutely not. And the only thing, to your point about the money, the only people making money on this are the television networks, the cable networks, uh, and the, of course, the the remaining uh, newspaper media. Uh, it drives ratings, it drives uh, subscriptions, and that's it. Uh, it doesn't doesn't uh, help one bit. And as you say, uh, very kindly, uh, if I may harden it just a bit, there's only one man in the running, uh, the man, and that is Donald Trump. Uh, the rest are not even uh, remotely his his shadows are reflective of anything that's a significant challenge to him. We always give you the, the, the I call them the Keebler elves. The Keebler elves. I, I love it, and I will adapt that, isn't I? <laughs> I will ad adapt to it and adopt it. Uh, we always give you the last word. Our guests always get the last word on this show. Uh, if you would, Steve, your concluding thoughts. I'm I'm a huge fan of the show, huge fan of Lou Dobbs. I'm always honored to come on here and uh, and, and talk to your audience, Lou, and uh, keep fighting. And uh, since you didn't pick it on air, I'll come back to you with my proposal. Either chief of staff head of the National Economic Council, which is the power place outside the NSC, inside the West Wing, or Secretary of Treasury. Eventually, we're going to get you ahead of the Federal Reserve, but I think we're going to get you the Treasury first. You know, the only... First of all, that... I, you know, I, I, it, it's actually it's actually selfish of me to push you to be Treasury, because I haven't told you, I'm, I'm an option that TV writes to your confirmation here as a Secretary of Treasury, because <laughs> that, that, that will be must watch TV. Well, I tell you what would be even more watch TV would be my first decision is that either Treasury or the Federal Reserve. Uh, and I might want to then walk over to the Department of Education and, and work wonders there as well. Uh, you know, I would uh, I'm, I'm flattered by the thought, but my wife is uh, sitting about 20 feet away from me as we we're talking and uh, she is waving me off. She's doing the, the throat, the throat <laughs> thing, uh, suggesting to me that I'm, I'm probably going to be unemployed in whatever administration it is. But I will be uh, a fierce spirit in support of uh, America you're, first you're and only, President Trump. Only, oh, hang on, only to get the reaction to the Democrats in your confirmation hearing would be worth the, the whole effort, right? It would be, that would be collective group meltdown. So, now you're now, as you well know, you're starting to tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Bannon, thank you so much. God bless you. Thanks for being yeah. with us. Thank you, sir. Always honored. Thanks, everybody. And thanks, Steve Bannon, a great American and a great friend. Tomorrow, we return with our weekly foreign policy panel, the great Gordon Chang and Tony Schaefer. Joe Biden, after two and a half years as a puppet president, finally restricting U.S. investments in China the first time, to my knowledge, that he's ever gone against the Chinese. Biden citing national security concerns. Biden also looking to send some more money to Ukraine, of course. We take up all of that and much more here tomorrow. Follow me on Twitter and Truth Social at Lou Dobbs, on Facebook and Instagram at Lou Dobbs Tonight. And be sure to check out the all-new LouDobbs.com. We hope you'll join us here tomorrow. Till then, thanks. God bless you. God bless America.